colorful, colorful, colorful language. Colorful, ay, colorful, ooh, colorful language. Colorful, ay, colorful, colorful language. Let's go, 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 ay. Welcome to the greatest podcast you ever heard. Melanin dripping off each and every word. The abstract, the obscure, the absurd. This is colorful language. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to season two, y'all. Bigger, badder, better. This episode is about code switching, y'all, so keep it locked. <laughs> colorful language. Yeah. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. You know, I swag out to my own shit. <laughs> truth of the matter is, is that American culture at this point, what is truly American, is black culture, black culture, black culture. If black Twitter had a voice, it'd probably sound a little something like this. Ah! Colorful language. <laughs> Keep it up. I'm a nigga, I'm a nigga, I'm a nigga, I'm a nigga. Ladies and gentlemen, for the first episode of season two of Colorful Language, I got somebody who's really got her hand in the Hampton Roads young black professional scene. Uh, she's the founder and director of the Connect 757. It's a local group that's designed to bring people of color together and participate in all kind of events in this area. And uh, quite honestly, I think she can really give us some good color commentary on this topic. So let's go ahead and welcome Verlaine to the show. What's up? What's up? Hey. <laughs> How you doing? How you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about this topic. Yeah. And what we're talking about is code switching. We're going to get all into it. It's, trust me, like you were worried about the hour. We're going we gonna to take the hour. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe not, you know, but we've got plenty to talk about. I mean, it's a topic that goes on and on, but before we get there, I mean, tell me, tell me a little bit about what's been going on with you. You know, like I'm learning who you are. I, I really don't know you that well, but you know, tell me yeah. what's been going on in your world. So the Connect 757 has been really busy lately. Um, we've been partnering with, you know, more organizations, more businesses. Um, mm-hmm. We launched Dynamic Dialogues last week. So that was pretty dope. Um, it just talks about, you know, topics that are relevant to black young professionals and things that we need to talk about as a group. So that was mm-hmm. pretty awesome. As our um, first topic, we talked about stress and um like in the workplace and building your career as a black professional mm-hmm. for um, mental health awareness month. So that was pretty dope. And then we got a lot of stuff coming up. It's summertime. Um, mm-hmm. Our outdoor adventure series starts. So we're going to go zip lining on Saturday and we're doing melanin brunch on Sunday. So a lot, a lot going on. That is awesome. So give yeah. the listeners like kind of an overview of what the Connect 757 is, what it's designed to do. What's your, your like your mission statement, you know? Yeah. So our focus is um, being the premier social networking organization for Hampton Roads Black Young Professionals. And so that's exactly what we do. It's um, stepping outside of your comfort zone so that you can grow personally and professionally. Um People think, oh, it's just a social event, so you don't necessarily think like that. But a lot of times, um, for example, zip lining, that's mm-hmm. stepping outside of, you know, people's comfort zone. But also it's um, team building, it's different skills, leadership. It's a lot of stuff that also goes into those social events. Um, even just stepping outside of your comfort zone and meeting new people, trying new things together, that in itself creates a bond. Um, so... Eventually, the goal is to um, be able to help one another, whether it is referring people for jobs, um, collaborating on events, um, giving people a platform to really showcase, you know, everything that we're doing. Because a lot of times, especially in 757, um, you don't really see the young professionals like that. So I wanted to create this platform to really show, okay, it's a whole bunch of us here. We need to come together and start working together, start building together and start building this network um, to really help one another out. So, yeah, and I, I think that's a great you know thing to do. The thing is, I, I, we can't put a finger on why we are the way we are. And this will probably be a topic for a whole nother show. But mm-hmm. when it comes to when we reach a level of stature in our professional development, 
it's just so hard for us to network. Even the, like the Connect 757, people will think of it yeah. as a net, networking group, quote unquote, and they'll immediately be turned off because they're like, uh, like I'm, I don't like networking. I don't like meeting new people, you know, whatever, whatever. Exactly. What so that was why I had to spin on it. So it's like social networking so that people are more likely to actually build genuine relationships and genuine connections when the focus is not okay do i have my 30 second commercial ready okay do i have my business card? okay am i dressed apart no okay we're gonna come out here we're gonna do brunch we're gonna you know have a good time but then we're also gonna talk about this stuff the real stuff that we need to talk about you know in terms of our mental health so that we can grow professionally we mm. can find out how to find out um you know about and jobs personally. or yeah, and personal stuff. Like, mm-hmm. we celebrate birthdays. We celebrate, you know, when people get um, their houses, when people get new jobs, yeah. when all types of stuff. So we celebrate people, not just the professional accolades. We celebrate, mm-hmm. like, everything. And uh, before we get to our next part, I really, really think that's a great concept because we, as a black community, we have a hard time lifting each other up. Exactly. Um, obviously, it's the crabs in the barrel mentality, but that didn't come out of nowhere. That is some real stuff. Like, we really have a hard time lifting the next man up or supporting people, like, genuinely coming out there and getting together and collaborating on things. So, I mean, leading the charge on that, I mean, you don't really real well i mean you do realize because you see it all the time whenever you put these things Mm -hmm. together but i mean it's a real impactful thing for not only you know the black people that come to these things but you know for their kids because they pass it down and they take traits and you know i mean it's just it it permeates through the entire community exactly you know know, exactly it's a great thing so my icebreaker today actually i want to talk to you a a little bit more about this so can you tell me like one of your events that you've planned what was uh your favorite one that out of all of them that you've done it you know whether it's the funniest or the most craziest whatever what's your favorite event that you've hosted for the connect 757 okay so i have two so the first one was the very first event that i hosted it was um it was under so i had a different name for my business at first and it was a women on the rise networking brunch. And so the focus was building up, you know, young professional black women, mm-hmm. um, had a speaker, it was a brunch, you know, it was really good, but it was really emotional for um, some of the attendees. And I didn't expect that. We did like goal setting, mind maps, you know, to really visualize what our goals are. Um, the speaker was really good and it was intimate. I think it was like maybe 20 people. So it was very intimate, it was a good setting. Um, and that was my first event. So a lot went into that. I learned a lot of stuff with that event. Um, the good and bad that came with event planning and preparation, working with vendors, negotiating. So a lot came with that. So I would say that one because I learned so much moving mm-hmm. forward. But the most fun event, I would say, um, so last summer, well, every summer we do an outdoor adventure series. And so last summer we had um, kickball games. And so... It was this one game in particular. It was like maybe 25, 30 of us showed up for this game. And it got so intense. Like at first it was like the one team was like leading, you know, talking junk, talking junk. And then my team came together. We was like, okay, this is what we need to do. This is your strength. We assess the strengths of each, you know, member. Mm-hmm. And then we That's assigned them. We, yes, because we didn't do that. And it just was a hot mess. But <laughs> <laughs> so once we did that, Everybody was where they needed to be, and then we came back and we killed it. And we was we we talked so much stuff. It was great, like team building, um, just a lot of laughs. It was a really good time, and we were out there way longer than we planned on being. So right. that was the most fun, I would say. That's that's awesome, and you know, for our listeners out there, I mean, this is a, I, I'm sure there's like social uh, events, event planning that goes on in your area. You know, get connected, get out there, yeah. get out there and meet people because it's not just about, oh, dog, I got this business. You want to no, it's sometimes it's just about just having fun. You know, a lot of us professionals, we have grown apart from our friends because they've moved different places or we've moved. Like I moved up here from Charleston, South Carolina. I don't know, but about three people up here and something like this is a great opportunity to get out there and just meet good people. And then from there, you build your network and you go from there. So, yeah, the Connect 757, I mean, it's an awesome, awesome thing. And, you know, I, I, I'll i be honest with you, I haven't 
uh, done an event with you just yet, but I mean, I have done one before, and we talked about this last time we mm-hmm. talked. But um, yeah. you know, it's it's a great opportunity for anybody to get out there and meet new people and and share ideas and resources, and that's that's what we need to do as a black community, you know. Yeah, and it's so, and I think when I was first getting started, I think it was so interesting because you have this image of what a black professional young professional looks like what you know how they look how they carry themselves how they talk but when you're in a social setting you're a little bit more relaxed so we have doctors we have lawyers we have just a little bit of every range Mm -hmm. you know from high up in their career to people starting off changing industries and everybody's coming together because people just want to relax we want to grow we want to you know do this that and the third but we also just want to come together with like-minded people you know have good you know educated conversations and you know Mm -hmm. over game night so it's yeah it's good and (laughs) you know Verlaine the thing is and this is going to tie into the topic of our show because um when it comes to code switching we have to you know turn this side the connect 757 side a little bit off so that we can go work our nine to fives and be who we are or, you know, in other settings. So this episode is about code switching. And um, first of all, let's go ahead and define code switching. I didn't really type up a, a definition or do any research. I mean, I think we as black people, we know what managing blackness is all about. You know what I mean? Right. But um, would you care to sh- care to share like your idea on what you think code switching is and 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 also why why do we have to do it in the first place? Yeah, so it's funny because initially we always think code switching is just black and white. I mean, on the basis it is, but I think as an entrepreneur, I've realized it's more than that. Um, it is also the main thing to me. Code switching is you adapting to your audience so whoever you're talking to so that whatever message is trying to be relayed is actually relayed correctly so for example um when you go on a job interview you don't want to go talk to the potential um, employer like you would talk to your homegirl like that's just not it doesn't make sense that's just it just doesn't make sense so things like that usually we think of code switching in a professional setting which yes makes sense but if you're looking at it even as an entrepreneur how you pitch your business you may adapt to how you pitch your business to potential you know investors different than you talk to your audience or your members or even you know your family it's going to be different so that's still code switching as well yeah and there's different areas of it like you mentioned and it's 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 and we're going to get into all of this stuff um quite frankly i haven't like formatted it to where how i want to talk about h and everything but we're going to talk about it all so (laughs) um when we're talking about code switching i'll just go ahead and start with the raw stuff like straight up like when i was growing up you know you would get made fun of for like talking white or talking proper or you know that this that and the third but you know i was raised as a kid to understand that hey let's be let's call a spade a spade like to go out here and play these games with these white people and to get what you want (laughs) i mean you know depending on the type of job and environment that you're going to work you need to adapt to your environment you know and um that's why you know i've been i've i learned that skill from an early age as a kid just to you know attune to my audience and that's what code switching is all about ladies and gentlemen for the um misinformed which you know i think every black person knows what code switching is but you know that's that's what it's about so um verlaine give it's me a little, crazy though mm-hmm. yeah. i'm sorry no, no. every black person doesn't know what it is like really yeah um they don't that's the thing and and some people feel like it's a sellout if you're code switching like you're not being yourself you're not being authentic so it's just it's so interesting um it's a very interesting i guess concept that again most of us are familiar but there's there's a lot of people that are not familiar with that and i say that because of the background that i kind of worked in and so some of the the clients that I, i worked with didn't necessarily know they didn't they just didn't know simple as that they just didn't know so once they knew they're like oh okay that's how you do that or that's what you say or that you know they didn't understand the concept at first so they just didn't know about it until somebody actually brings it to their attention what what was your background in 
in um, workforce development. Okay. Yeah. So definitely you have to have a certain uh, decorum to work with your clients, you know, mm-hmm. and that that gets misinterpreted. Um, I want to tell a story. I'm going to go ahead and I've got a lot of stories for this episode. So, okay. you know, that way I can kind of relate it. But the first story that I want to share is when I used to work at Verizon. Well, I didn't want to tell everybody that I used to work at Verizon for fear it gets back to my old Verizon worker. But whatever. I used to work at Verizon. All right. So <laughs> um, I used to work at Verizon in a retail location and I was in charge of controlling the music. And the music that I would play, I would specifically because I was like all of my staff is black. We black folks. I, we want to listen to the music we want to listen to. But I would play like rap music or, you know, like rap beats or things like that. Stuff that like sounded black, but it didn't have no cuss words in it. No suggestive material. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll I'll give you an example. Um, There's a song by Big Sean and it's called One Man Can Change the World. That song has zero cussing in it. It's a song about his grandma. And um, very dope song. Kanye, you know, John Legend. But, um, you know, I played it one day and my manager comes running and this is an important part of the story. My manager is a black man. Um, mm-hmm. He comes running from the back and he comes up and turns the music off. And he said, Terrence, can I talk to you real quick? And I was like, yeah, what's going on? He was like, listen, man, you know, we, you got to adjust to the environment that's around you. I know you pushing this black stuff. You know, you want to do this, but we are trying to sell phones in this mother. <laughs> you like, we trying to sell damn phones. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the people that come in here, they're older, white, and when they hear them hip hop beats and all that stuff, that's going to turn them off. And I was like, this this is an example of code switching because it's, it's to him. It was like we had to code switch. But to me, I was like, I'm sacrificing who I am. I got to change the music that I listen to just for some white people. You know what I mean? Like, See, I wouldn't t- have thought I wouldn't have considered that code switching. Mm, why not? Because so I'm trying to think of an example. Um I just I wouldn't consider that code switching because at the end of the day you're still like at a company and so in my opinion and this is like anything even with the whole Chick-fil-A thing when you don't agree with what is going on then that means you need to find somewhere else to work so I don't think that's code switching that wouldn't be considered code switching to me it's just the way that they run their business yeah it's to me it's business it's not personal in that in that aspect yeah, but there's a fine line for each individual person as far as what the threshold is from, you know, this is business versus I'm sacrificing who I am. And you bring up a good point. If if it sacrifices who you are, you need to leave. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, let's talk about, you know, jobs where they don't want you to, you know, wear your hair a certain way or things like that. I mean, you have to acquiesce to the way that they want you to look. And you're yeah. like, yo, this is the way that the hair grows out of my head. And you right. know, you're, you're, you're threatening me and you're, you're chastising me for that, which, like you said, is probably better to, for you to just leave. But some people can't just pick up and leave like that. So you're caught in such a tough situation. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that was just one example. Um, and like you said, it's it, it, it depends. That's not necessarily a code switch because. Uh, I think more so on the point of code switching be like an internal thing. Like I have to right. like this or I have to wear a certain thing. Like when when that situation happened, I just had to play the music that I know they would like. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what we're getting into today. Um, do you have any examples, uh, your own personal experiences with code switching? I'm trying to think with code switching. I, so... Can I tell you something like when I first found out about code switching? Please do. So my sister actually, um, I was in, I think, like middle school or high school. And she ran a program um, for young girls and young guys. And so one of the topics that we discussed was like, you know, careers, professionalism. And then code switching got brought up. And, you know, I didn't know nothing about it then. But she kind of explained it how... You know how I kind of defined it is adapting to your audience, making sure that basically you don't look like a fool, that you don't embarrass yourself in front of, you know, a certain group of people, whoever it may be, not just white people or whatever, that you conduct yourself in the right manner when you're in public. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's when I first learned about it. 
didn't think it was really that big of a deal. And I think it goes back to like your home life because um, my parents, it was really the same. It wasn't, you know, yeah. I, don't, I don't feel like they really code switch. I feel like they've always kind of been the same. Um, you know, very professional pretty much all the time. So it wasn't a huge shocker like, oh, okay, that's what that was. The thing that I would say kind of set me apart was I did kind of like what you said, opening up, was I did talk proper. And so I would be labeled as talking white or, you know, talking proper. Why do you talk like that? Um, even got the nickname Oreo because you're black on the outside, but you're white on the inside. I've heard so, of <laughs> you know, all that stuff. I'm, just like, I'm familiar. <laughs> right. I mean, mm. I think a, a lot of us have experienced that. And I think it's so unfortunate. Um, which is what always frustrated me. Like, why I gotta, why, why does it have to be considered talking white? Because it's correct, you know. So that's always been something that frustrates me. <laughs> well, I will um, expound on that as far as the mentality of people, especially if you come from an area. Because I come from like you know real like street shit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, you know, when I came out the way I came out, they definitely labeled me that, but I could understand why back then. And that's why it didn't bother me because, yeah. you know, my environment, my, my family, you know, my dad is actually a radio DJ and, you know, he speaks proper diction and stuff like that. My grandma and my, my aunt, everybody tried to, you know, instill, you know, proper uh, etiquette, English. Grandma would always be correcting my, my speak, All, things like that. Just certain mannerisms, like right. they instilled that on me. So I, in my mind, I was like, okay, these people around me may not be getting that same upbringing, I, it, mm -hmm. but my grandparents and my parents have taught me that this is going to help you in the long run. I'm from Charleston. Charleston, they have their own dialect, that Geechee language, all that stuff like that. And yo, okay. I'm, da I'm down with that. And I hang with them people and I know all about it. But I mean, I, I hate to say this, but I knew that when I was younger that I wasn't going to be able to get the big money jobs that I wanted, that I felt like I deserved with my level of intelligence talking that way in those boardrooms and things like that. So, mm -hmm. I mean... That that goes back into I, I, well, I mean, basically, I feel like I'm a very racially fluid person, if that makes sense. I can hang out yeah. with the white folks, I can hang out I with agree. the black folks, and that's the way I want to be. Why? Because that expands my network. That you know right. makes me more of a cultured person, to be honest with you. Um, right. And uh, that's the type of thing that I would say to somebody who feels like you're not being true to yourself because you're code switching. Um, and code switching gets way deeper than just the way you talk and things like that. I mean, um, it gets to, the reason why I code switch and I know I'm jumping all over the place, but You're fine. I'm just making a point. But the reason why I code switch specifically and I'm heavy, I'm, I'm trying to tell you, like, you know, work me for my coworkers listening. Work me and home me is two different me's. I'm, you know, and they in, should be. Oh, yeah. But I mean, right. like extreme extreme <laughs> like my let's put it this way my first girl well my second girlfriend in college um she thought i was a, a straight church boy that went to private school like when i first met her and mm -hmm. um the first time that she got to hang out with me like on some real stuff is like okay what's happening you know what i'm saying so it's mm. definitely two different me's that gets you know carried around but the real reason why i code switch personally it's not because um I'm trying to get ahead. I mean, obviously I am, but I'm not doing that subliminally because I want to get ahead. It's more mm -hmm. so I'm guarding myself as far as my my, you know, urban lifestyle from people who may not understand it. Because the thing here's the thing about people who don't understand stuff. And this goes oh. for anybody, white, black, anybody. When you don't understand stuff, then you start fearing stuff. And when you start fearing stuff, you start hating stuff. And you know I, I just feel or or at, it could be something else it could be you don't understand it so you start to pry more and so you can understand it but the problem is it makes me uncomfortable that you digging into my life trying to figure out what this black shit is about if that mm -hmm. makes sense so i literally turn that off I, i'm like when i when i go to any job or workplace or anything like that I want you to identify me as Terrence. I don't want you to identify me as Terrence who be listening to rap music and, you know, know you, all that stuff, you know, knows all the dances and stuff like that. I want you to respect me as an equal. So I'm going to act neutral. And I feel like you should as well. Um, so 
anyway, I know I'm, I went off on a tangent, but that's that's no, my, okay. my thoughts on that. So it's interesting because I feel like I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like I. I guess I code switch to an extent, but mm-hmm. like you're saying, you have kind of two different ext- extremes. I don't feel like I have an extreme. I feel like it's me just kind of adapting to who I'm talking to and not changing who I am by any means. I feel like, for example, I feel like I'll just be a little bit more chill. Like I can still be very personable with people laughing all that, but I guess fortunately I haven't had any lines crossed really with me professionally. Um, I've heard stories of how, you know, certain things have been said to black people and, you know, it's jokes. (laughs) I have not had that experience, not that I can think of at least, Mm -hmm. um, in the professional arena. Oh, man. But, yeah, I haven't had that, I don't think. Oh, my God, what's your story? What happened? I got a million. And the thing is, well, not a million, but I've got several. And here's my thing, Verlaine. You might have actually run into some little minor stuff that you didn't think that was a big deal but that yeah somebody else might have been like i'm like "Mm, that's true like i'll give you man i got so many i'll just go ahead and pick this one out of a hat okay Um, so white people i love y'all man i love y'all i just want to preface this i love white people y'all are my people but sometimes y'all just y'all try us sometimes okay so i was um at this place that i was working and you know, my coworker was talking about you better watch out, you're gonna get Debo. And they were just saying that just, you know, in general, you know, Friday is a cultural reference, you know, whatever. Bye Felicia, da da da. And um mm-hmm. the guy that he said it to, he's like, I, I what is what is that? He was like, Oh, bye Fel- I mean, uh Debo, you don't know what Debo is? Terrence. Terrence, you know you've seen Friday, you've seen Friday. Boom. Immediately I'm like, What makes you think I seen Friday? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm. So it's like, you know, you get that's when you 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 meet a crossroads. And it's yeah. like, you know what I mean? You're like, do I keep it real, quote unquote, or do I code switch and just be like, yeah, it's all good. You just let it slide. Don't, you know, and maybe that's not a code switch necessarily. But my point is, like, I you just got to let stuff slide. And I was like, yeah, I've seen Friday, you know, just le- like play into it a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I just have seen before, and I want to bring this up. I've seen before where we get too black and then some sometimes white people feel like they can um reflect it back does that make sense what do you mean like um i got another story here so okay man ah you know my corporate uh world life has been very interesting uh over the past like three or four years so mm-hmm. but anyway um I, i've seen like we were at like this party or whatever um it was like a christmas party and there was a few uh you know European Americans with us and um it was uh, a couple of black girls or whatever and you know it was just talking like I know that's right you know all, all of that the good stuff you know all like all the little sayings I don't know <laughs> yeah you got that right uh-huh you know all that uh-huh. so um you know my man's he starts to feel like he can kind of all right me too like you know he's like I you know what I'm talking about girl mm-hmm yeah you we gonna get us uh- a hot time and because yeah, yeah. because they let their guard I'm not going to say guard because it's not us versus them listeners of my show please understand I'm not trying to attack nobody I'm just trying to highlight racial differences okay so you know as soon as they brought their tone down and they started to become more of themselves then mm-hmm. he felt like he could identify with them and start doing the stuff that they do his um, wife actually during that situation she pulled him to the side like quick and she was like you need to stop that is that is inappropriate you know what right. I mean and it was and I was sitting there like why are you doing all of this that's not necessary just because they're being themselves doesn't mean you gotta be like them you know what I mean but that's good that she did that because a lot of times if we are to, if we do it we somehow it gets put back on us that oh. is wrong so like that's good that you know his wife checked yeah his wife checked him you know to let him know and address it so that was good yeah she was she was aware that that could be offensive and he because i was listening to the conversation he was like i I don't see what the big deal is i'm just you know having fun just like they are and it's like it's it's not the same yeah yeah so what do you think and i'm just going to throw a question at you i mean what do you think about us as far as black people because the thing is black people specifically and i was talking to akila the other day 
I've met you through Akila, by the way, listeners. This is how I know Verlaine. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I was talking to her about how we, the African American community, we are the only race, I think, that really has to wear these different hats when we're going in these different, you know, arenas. Like a white man can be a white man in pretty much any situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, unapologetically white with no problems. You know, walk in the room, that's a white man. And, you know, he can do whatever he wants. You know, whatever cultural things that he's picked up, he can continue to maintain that. But, you know, black people, we definitely have to wear a different hat. Do you think that any other races might have to, you know, code switch other than us? I feel like usually if you're a minority, you usually do have to code switch to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um I'm trying to think. I mean, yeah, black and brown people just in general, I feel like have to do that. Um, mm-hmm. As a woman, sometimes you have to code switch when you're mm-hmm. in a you know a group full of men. Ooh, yeah. So I think, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's just that. I think because mm-hmm. it, it, it kind of just goes back to the whole audience. It really just depends on who your audience is. If you're the minority in that audience or depending on what it is, you are going to have to adapt usually in some way but i would say typically white men like you said i would have to agree white men don't usually have to change and it's really a fine what they're doing. They, they just don't yeah it, it's <laughs> so a fine line too ahead. if they if they want to code switch like you know because i and it's cool you know i I personally don't think much of it if if a white guy kind of, you know, hits you with the homeboy stuff a little bit. You know, it just depends. You got to read the situation a little bit more. Yeah, it's got to be authentic. Right. I don't want... And it goes back to knowing yourself, knowing knowing who you are. Because if, you know, he has a little bit of swag, I'm like, oh, okay, that's just him. That's his personality. That's him. But Mm -hmm. if that... If you're only doing that because you're with us, it's like, it comes off ingenuine but yeah, here's, the, here's the flip here's the flip of that when we do it with them they don't think nothing of it they don't be like why are you acting white you know what i mean they for example i'm just saying like they're they, it's not a questionable thing it's actually it's like oh okay that's you know what i mean yeah and i think it's i don't know just from my experience i haven't seen it as an extreme the other way around mm-hmm. if that if that makes i don't know if that makes sense does that make sense no, it does. It does. Okay. I mean, it's definitely a, a double standard when it comes to that. This is this is these are the cards that we are dealt because of and let's call a spade a spade. Let's go back in history. Let's get in a time machine, you know, with, yeah. with slavery and systematic racism and oppression and Jim Crow laws and all of those. Even now. Yeah. Like even we, now. Oh, we yeah. have to react differently even involved with police and those type of authority you know so that is still that's a form i guess maybe i don't know maybe that's a stretch Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's 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 still adapting to that audience and you know i've recently had a conversation um, with some people about that and you know the conversations that we have to have with you know black men and even black women at this point our kids things like that I'm not a white person, so I don't know what their conversations are, but I don't think they have to have the same conversations we do when it comes to how do you handle, you know, police and how do you handle all of that. So, unfortunately, that's, yeah, that's our reality. How do you feel about that? How do I feel about what? How do you feel about us having to just, you know, display more respect than most for law enforcement just so we can make it home alive you know how does that make you feel i mean it's unfortunate it really is um it's scary i mean i never thought i would be in that situation but um after i can't remember who it was this had to be about three years ago and i was rushing to go pick up my daughter because I knew I was already running late from rushing get her and um, I get pulled over. This was after like the shootings and all this stuff started occurring. I, this was the first time I've ever been so scared to be pulled over by an officer. And I, I didn't even realize like how 
everything else that was going on in the media and the world was really affecting me until I was in that situation. Granted, the officer, I think he could tell how nervous I was. I've been pulled over before. It wasn't an issue, you know, whatever. But in that instance, after everything had been going on, it's like, it feels different. It's just like, you don't have to do anything and your life can be taken. So stuff like that is just very scary. And, you know, being in that situation, I was just like, oh my God. But that officer, he was an old white man. I think he could he could tell. He was very chill. I don't want to, you know, he was chill. Sure. But just, you don't know. You just never know, you know, being in the car, you never know. So he ended up letting me go. But that was my reality check. Like, I should not have to feel like this. Yeah. Like, this is, this, this is crazy. This is wrong. I shouldn't have to feel like that. But that was my wake-up call. And you would think this stuff would be over and done with i mean you know rodney king and all that stuff back in the day we still dealing with this stuff right now you know and it it had to take you know media bringing spotlight to you know police and showing all of this stuff on tv and it's slightly making changes like oh we got body cams now and all this stuff but it's still a lot of change to be done and um Here's the thing about code switching when it comes to that, you know, because we want to make it home alive. We got children that we want. You got a daughter. Right. You want to get home and see her. Or if she's with you, you want to make sure she doesn't see anything crazy. Um, But, you know, people are always talking about being true to yourself and, you know, unapologetically black. And that's well and good, man. But sometimes when it comes to law enforcement, you got to play the game. Uh, Right. because the thing is, you could end up, and I, I rest in peace to the dead. But Sandra Bland, man, you know, like she was being, she was being who she was. She was not having it with the, with the police locking her up. She was not having it with them booking her and none of that stuff. And then she didn't make it home, dog. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, stuff like that, we have to be cognizant of. And it's a real fear. And I think, um, you know, a lot of white people don't really understand that kind of struggle the fear, I mean, right it's not just like oh you know oh maybe they should have did this they should have did that at the end of the day like we are fearful you know for our lives and you shouldn't live in fear so it's like oh no i don't want to be walking around like i'm scared no but not until you're in that situation do you realize you know that's a potential threat like you potentially may not make it home or you potentially may not do this or that yeah not until you're in that situation do you realize that though and in a lot of cases, well, in some of these cases, it's not even warranted. It's not like the person was acting up. No offense. Right. To, not saying Sandra Bland was acting up, but like, you know, she was being aggressive. You know, it's situations where it's like my man's just chilling and they just, you know, do whatever. So, like, we can't even be who we are, you know, in some situations. And this is why we have to create this uh, proper corporate persona of ourselves both hands on the wheel five and two or whatever you know what i'm saying ten and two mm-hmm. and and you know keep our hands yeah. on the wheel until they come up to the, the thing when i got pulled over last year actually i got pulled over and um i was reaching over to get my license and registration but this was before the cop walked up akila was in the car and akila was like what are you doing put your hands back on the wheel stop put yeah you have to now. wait so yeah yeah yeah, and I didn't even think about it until then. And I was like, oh, yeah, like he might think I'm trying to get a gun. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So, kind of going back to that, too, a little bit. And when you said that, it kind of like it flagged. I read Gabrielle Union's book. And so she mm-hmm. explained how um, she is very, like, hands on, obviously, with, you know, the boys, Dwayne Wayne's kids. And she had to explain. Did you read the book by any chance? I didn't read the book, but I just kind of see on social media. She's excellent with with their kids. Yeah. And so part of the book, she talked about how she had to be the one to really give the boys reality checks and also kind of check Dwayne. Like, just because they're your kids to everybody else they're just black boys so unless you're there with them they're not gonna you know the police the neighbors they don't know that they're your kids so they can't have their hoodies on they can't be walking around at night they can't be you know just walking into the neighbor's houses you know things like that and so it was interesting that you as a black man didn't realize that either and how we as black women are usually the ones kind of a little bit more aware like no no you can't do that you know, because we're worried about making sure that y'all are safe. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> because oh, yeah. we know how real it is out here. So that was interesting that you said that. Oh, yeah. And shout out 
to my black women, okay? Y'all got y'all yes. own episode coming up with the show, Colorful Language. I'm writing it right now. Black Girl Magic. <laughs> hey, one time for Black Girl Magic out here, you know what I'm saying? Holding yes, us down. Yes. We ain't against y'all. <laughs> we I'ma speak for all the black men right now. We Support don't cheat. Black women. We don't cheat and we love y'all. Yes. Okay, okay, you got quiet. <laughs> oh, no comment. No comment. Look, we're trying to speak it into existence. We want yes, the positive energy. Okay, black men don't cheat. We don't do that. We done with I that. I want y'all to. Yeah, that was 2018. We on a new wave now. Okay. There we Listen, go. Let's start a new trend. That's what I'm saying. Hashtag it up. You know what I'm saying? We are moving forward with our lives and taking our energy into positive places. So, you know, shout out to black women holding us down, man. You know what I'm saying? So um, (laughs) I wanted to uh, talk about and I think now's a good time to talk about this clip. And uh, this was recently and um, me and Akilah were talking about it about 20, 30 minutes ago. Well, maybe an hour ago at this point. But we were talking about it and we were like, um, yeah, this didn't get enough attention from the black community as it should have. This should have been a bigger discussion. But not too long ago, Steve Harvey had Monique on his show. Um, on his, you know, daytime show. And they were talking about, um, you know, what she did with Netflix and how <clears throat> he thinks she should have played it. Um, I'm going to play a clip. It's about maybe a minute, a long, minute long or so. And I, I just want you, when the clip is done, just give me your thoughts on what you think Steve Harvey was trying to say here. Do you think he was right? Do you think he was wrong? Like, what are your thoughts on what he says right here? Let me see okay. Got it. When you tell the truth, you have to deal with the repercussions of the truth. We black out here. We can't come out here and do it any kind of way we want to. Let me, Listen oh, to me. Your husband yes. can't be the Sydney that he really is out here. Let me tell you They're something. Not, that flexing, Let me we got to flex something. a different way. We Let out me. here in a game. This the money game. This ain't the black man's game. This ain't the white man's game. It's this the is the money, money game. game. But I, I'm we in the money something. game. And We're you cannot sacrifice yourself. The we best are. thing you can do for this poor people is not be brother. one of them. You cannot help them. We're in the money them, game. But let me tell you what the game is before the money game. Like before the money game, it's called the integrity game. And we've lost the integrity worrying about the money. But Mo, and wait a minute. if wait I a minute. crumble, if you my crumble, children crumble, my grandchildren crumble, I cannot, for the sake of my integrity, stand up here and let everybody that's counting on me crumble so I can make a statement. There are ways to win the war in a different way. So what do you think about that? So I agree and disagree about several different things. So I think he was saying how she went about it was wrong. And I know he kind of reiterated that throughout that whole like interview. Yes. Um, and I, I think she just went about it the wrong way. I feel like she could have did something different. What? I don't know. But it is a money thing, especially in that industry on that level. I feel like there is, it had to be another way she kind of went about that because mm-hmm. I feel like it, it kind of evolved into so many different things and it, it went away from what her initial like issue was, I felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But what I disagree with is him saying the money was is greater than integrity that i have to completely disagree with mm-hmm. like i feel like your integrity should always be the main thing and then um however but, else they needed to figure it out they could have did that so she could still make money and whatever else but with him when he said integrity i was like oh you had me until you said right. that because right. i get it if he's the the provider for the family and you know he starts losing these deals losing this losing that then his whole family is going to suffer for that. So I completely understand that. He's not going to risk, you know, everything that she was doing for, you know, whatever. Like, whatever, you know, boycotting, whatever she was trying to do. He's not going to risk all that because he has so many people depending on him. I completely get that. I have a daughter. I'm not going to do anything that's out of line that's going to risk my job, that's going to risk my health, anything like that because I have somebody else depending on me sure and um the money thing like yeah yeah you're right he could have worded that differently because i when think it he comes got to caught the money up in the moment <laughs> yeah because i mean when it comes to the money it's more about the money for his family to leave behind and i think that's right. what he meant but you yeah. know it kind of came off as like i'm trying to get paid man i'm gonna I'm I'm do whatever i got to do you know what i'm yeah. saying and, 
he caught a lot of media backlash from the black community because of you know him saying that we got to flex a different way when you've got Ava DuVernay you got uh, Lena Waithe you've got Jordan Peele you got you know people out here being black as hell you got Issa Rae she on there talking about I'm rooting for everybody black yeah but I mean when, when he said flex different I feel like mm-hmm. when he meant flex different I interpret that as not telling people to boycott like you go mm-hmm. to these other people and do something on your own or you do something different to show Netflix okay y'all not gonna pay me I'm gonna get paid this way I yeah. think that's what he meant by flexing different yeah that's because then point. she started dogging out like other people Oprah and it's like okay well what's the real issue here you know yeah. Yeah. so I felt like that's what he meant by flex differently and, and when he um, says the money game it's, it's oh go ahead no 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 um i was just gonna say you know and the other thing was the proof in the pudding because she was trying to compare it to amy schumer and uh right you know the thing about amy schumer is amy schumer was red hot she relevant was like white, yeah. white hot you know right. monique hadn't done a, a a television special in damn near a decade you know right. i think you know the last one big one was um queens of comedy and um you know, that was forever ago. Exactly. So, I mean, yes, you have like all these major shows, but what have you done recently? And it really hadn't been anything. So she didn't really have a leg to stand on there. But when she took it as far as the racial thing, I didn't think that was true. When you, She tried to make it a not just a racial thing, but a sexist thing. So she made it like yeah. a black woman thing. Because she right. was like, well, Chris Rock and, and Dave Chappelle getting all this money. Why? Like, I'm up there with them, you know, but chris rock and dave chappelle they was you know relevant still it was relevant i don't know about dave chappelle um dave chappelle like disappeared for a long time but then he came back wasn't he he coming back kind of like he was doing like little stand-ups here and there but until he got that netflix special he really wasn't out here killing it like you know monique she had just came fresh off of um precious and you know won the oscar and everything like that so I mean, she had a little bit to stand on, but I mean, Dave Chappelle, and I'm no no shade to Monique, but Dave Chappelle is an icon. Um, mm-hmm. So is so is Monique too. But I mean, you know, people. Yeah. Uh, oh, also, here's my thing. Dave Chappelle had a story. You know, a lot of people would pay to see. You know, because they knew that he left to go to Africa and he dropped fifty million dollars from Comedy Central. They was like, you know what? We got to see yeah. this. And, and Netflix knew that, and that's why they gave him the money. Monique don't have no story like that. She just been gone for a minute and she came back. You know, so. Um, yeah. But tying it back to code switching, um, I, I I get what Steve is saying to a degree, and I'm gonna have to actually agree to a small amount um when it comes to like when i'm in the workplace um you know i can't be you know jigging and listening to trap music and doing all this type of stuff i mean i can listen to it on my headphones but i was gonna say you can listen to it on your headphones oh i can listen to it on my headphones <laughs> but my little my little bluetooth speaker on my desk no sir no that bass not. is too too heavy they, uh, and if they don't hear the bass they definitely don't hear the, <laughs> the music about popping pills with my grandma and stuff like that so <laughs> like we don't we don't they're not ready for it you know i give it maybe 20 more years maybe america will progress and where we can you know not wear a tie at my bank maybe that can we get that at least no because then it, it goes back to it's not even about culture it's just an industry because mm, take mm, take color mm. out of it your industry like that's just the normal industry Ooh. And then that ties into like, you know, us selling <laughs> our culture to everyone else. And then we don't we can't identify anymore. And oh, God, that's that's the next level. So <laughs> um, I uh, I want to talk about um, how to navigate. So what advice do you have? Like, what do we do to maintain our blackness? Like, you know, we still want to be true to who we are. We still want to you know still represent black life black power all this stuff but still get ahead specifically and i'm speaking for the the listeners that i have who are probably most likely young black professionals what yeah. do we how do we maintain that blackness and still get ahead in our corporate worlds so i believe it is definitely possible um mm-hmm. i'm in that position now um i'm in that position now and I don't think it should be something that's stressful. I don't feel like it should be something that you feel like you're conflicting in yourself. But the main thing is you have to know yourself, know your industry, know your company culture. Um, because if, if you feel like you can't be yourself or 
you're at conflict with yourself while you're in the workplace, you're probably not at the right place. Um, the other thing is, to me, I, especially going into a new company, I like to observe to see. You may hear what company culture is like at, at a certain uh, place, but not until you're in it do you really understand. So I always recommend observing the people around you. Observe if there are any, um, you know, black executives. Watch how they move. That's going to tell you kind of what is, I guess, acceptable or what is the norm for that company or for that industry. I can honestly say like the executives that I've met at my current company, they are just, they're chill, they're humble, they're genuine. I don't feel like they're selling out. They're just normal black people to me. Sure. <laughs> you know, they're just, you know, doing what they need to do. So I think that goes back to kind of knowing yourself, knowing what things are you're comfortable with, what things you're not comfortable with. I think when you are faced with challenging situations i think it's important to professionally professionally check people in the moment otherwise they'll keep doing it and they don't realize that it makes you uncomfortable so i think it's good to address it in the moment if it is making you uncomfortable um can i, yeah. can, I can i stop you right there and ask you a question because yeah. this ties into um how do you do that so I've got a story. One more story before we okay, go. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so um, at my former place of work, one of the many places that I work, so that way somebody can't pinpoint where it was. But um, okay. <laughs> the uh, I mean, it ain't like I had that many jobs to begin with. But anyway, so the uh, girl that I worked with, she was a co-worker. She was a co-worker of mine, black girl. She was wearing her braids she had uh weave in and she had it braided up but then she tied up the braids into a bun very common hairstyle for black women you know so she had a bun uh and it was sitting up um a a higher entity at the establishment they came by and they said oh i like your little hat thing and they touched it they like petted it (laughs) (laughs) okay so now situation time you're talking about professionally check these situations Verlaine how do you check that how do you check that oh my gosh it hurts wait a minute wait a minute I was sitting there like oh oh shit (laughs) like oh it's lit it's about to go down you know what I've had a conversation with this and we honestly are like oh my god what would you do you're like really in shock like did they just do that like Mm -hmm. wait what you got a break character or do you you know like wait what (laughs) and i think it depends on who it is if it's a co-worker it's like oh no like Mm, you know you can't do that or you know i would appreciate if you don't do that like you know don't touch my hair or whatever it may be um if it's a supervisor i wouldn't even think a supervisor would touch you number one um but if it is a supervisor i would definitely like like go to the side or go to the office and address it that day mm. if you are not comfortable Separately in that moment i think yeah just so that because a lot of times when it's like respect and things like that picking your battles so to me the the proper way to do it so that because so it sounds like they didn't even realize it was inappropriate so if you're like if you go off on them it's like wait a minute like you know that's not what yeah that's not what my, I meant by it so I think in that situation if it is a supervisor you you know pull them to the side or go to their office and let them know you know I really didn't appreciate that you know it came off this way and then they're like oh okay or they may be kind of ignorant and that should you know tell you okay maybe this ain't gonna work out um, but you're not putting them on the spot and usually if they're not put on the spot whether it's black, white, Asian, whatever, they're usually like, okay, I didn't mean to offend you because they don't want any of them other problems either that can come mm-hmm. with that from HR. That's right. That's right. And so, I think that's that's the best way to attack that. Yeah, it just depends on who it is. The coworker, I feel like, uh, mm-hmm. don't do you that. You can be a little bit more casual right, about it. Right, yeah. you can tell them that right then and there. Supervisor, you just have to be mindful of it because, again, you know. Because the words that you choose, the language that you choose, it could play a part in your career progression. And, exactly. Um, your team chemistry. I mean, it's 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 a lot. And the sad part about it is it'll mess up your team chemistry with the team and you weren't even the offender. You know right. what I'm saying? And I think that's why it's good to be 
personable with your coworkers and your team members and be mindful of how you talk to people um, because number one, you don't know what people are going through. And then number two, you wanna be able to create an environment so that you can tell them like, okay, if I felt uncomfortable or I appreciate you don't do that, they don't take it offensively because y'all already have built that morale, I guess, within the team, you know? Um, that's just been my experience. I've been able to do that, I would say, for the most part within, you know, my, my different groups of people I've worked with so that, you know, it's not as, I guess, tense um, and you're able to move on along your day. Some people, if they check a situation, they hold on to that and then they mad the rest of the day or, you know, they bring it up. I can't believe so-and-so did in, instead of just like squashing it and like moving on. Yeah. And I want to add to that because that's a great point is that you build the rapport with your team and that way they know they they know before they even get there. But I mean, right. you, you always can get hit with the random, you know, yeah. you watch Friday before. Oh, I like your yeah. little hat thingy. But um, I think one extra thing that I would like to add on that is if you pull them to the side, educate them on why it is wrong. Right. You know, right. Um, like, for example, he called her hair a hat thing. First of all, it's not a hat thing. This is my hair right. that I'm choosing to wear in a style this day. Um, right. And I would I would appreciate it if you don't call it a hat because it's my actual hair. Um, right. You know, so just just a little education. So that way they don't feel scolded. And I hate that we got to talk to people like they're children. But the thing is, they don't teach. Right. Co- they don't teach cultural sensitivity um, in no. schools. They don't teach cultural sensitivity <laughs> in homes. They don't teach cultural sensitivity really anywhere. Um, but why do black people know? Why do professional black people know about cultural sensitivity when it comes to white people and other races? I don't know. Maybe because we had to assimilate into their races and figure out how to navigate. They didn't have to come assimilate into ours and figure out how to navigate in our uh, society. You know what I'm saying? So that's those are those are perfect moments where you have to educate them because otherwise they're not going to know. And um, I'll, I'll go ahead and say this too: what ended up happening with the situation is she messaged me on Skype. I sit like right across from her and. She messaged me on Skype and she was like, should I have been mad? And my petty ass was like, girl, hell yes. What the hell? <laughs> like, seriously, though? What the? F- you made it happened. worse. I really, yeah, I definitely egged her on. She was feeling really aggressive the rest of the day. Because sometimes like, that's the thing. People don't know how to react because they're like, oh, my God, did that just happen? And some people, so it's a couple different things. Some people are like, OK, it wasn't no big deal. Like, ah, ha, ha, that's funny other people that's gonna really piss them off that's gonna really send them over you know yeah for sure so i mean wow there's there's so much listeners about code switching that we can talk about um earlier about an hour or two ago me and akila were talking about um like code switching for gays and uh oof, that's and i told her we can't talk about that on this show because that is a whole nother yeah area. that's a whole nother yeah. whole nother area but um that's something i want to dive into later but um this has been a great episode we've really covered a lot of information when it comes yeah. to code switching you listeners you should be code switching masters when it's all done you should yeah, know know yourself know what you're comfortable with know what mm-hmm. things that you know you stand for some some things you're gonna be like nope that ain't gonna work you can't talk to me that way but you gotta learn how to address it professionally Mm -hmm. that's the main thing and turn it on and off without feeling like you are losing your integrity your your, your, yourself so um before i go um before we go uh, i want to share one more story because i like sharing stories okay Um, so and this is just really just funny i mean but it to me it's related to like code switching so it was a christmas party another work christmas party okay but um this was at somebody's house this is when the xbox connect first came out so for the listeners out there if you want to do your research you can figure out what year this was but the xbox connect first came out and um soldier boy crank that soldier boy first came out so that's another clue oh wow okay i I knew that one yeah so yeah now you can kind of get an idea of what year this is it was hot it was like red hot so anyway we was at the christmas party and um they were playing just dance right um all european american people in the room except for three african-americans in the room me and two uh, and a girl and a guy 
and we were just sitting and watching them play like having a good time we was drinking of course we were getting drunk and um then crank that soldier boy comes up on there and they was like oh that's crank that soldier boy Terrence, come on man come on i know you know the song another <laughs> one of those and um you know this is one of those fight or flight moments once again oh and, my god but this time i think i did it wrong it is it's no thank y'all it's just a funny story come on y'all i was like 21 come on but um you know well i was younger than that. i was like 19 20 whatever and um yeah so i got up and, and, and cranked that soldier boy <laughs> I, I i you and i was superman and i was in there yo and what was so funny about it is uh because the way that i responded was just not um in favor of the african-american community because they was like come on terrence you know this and it was like and i was sitting there drinking i was like hell yeah i know this move out the way and you know it just didn't it didn't feel right and i didn't think about it until oh afterwards God. when the two black people that was there they talked to me it was like we're still seated yeah they was like you seriously just out here just cooning cooning it up and i was like i, I was <laughs> like i i did <laughs> and oh my heart fell into my shoes that night. I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna just go home. This was this was wrong. I shouldn't have been here. I have to go. <laughs> I shouldn't have been here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really. That was one of my first of many. Well, not even first because I've had all kind of different situations. But you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just thought that was funny. That was a great story <laughs> no, of where I failed. I failed. I failed to be true to I myself. Think we've all had experiences like that, though, <laughs> like, or we know somebody. So that's why it's funny. Exactly. I can definitely picture all of that happening. And the other two looking at you like, no, he didn't. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't, I couldn't see him because they were sitting behind me, but I know they was like, look at That's this how they was looking at you, like, look at him. <laughs> and I had to go to work with them the next day. They just, uh, it was just a disconnect from then on. So, um,. <laughs> Anyway, Verlaine, thank you so much. Thank you for uh, having me. Oh, yeah. And uh, the Connect 757, y'all. Anybody who listens to my show who's in the Hampton Roads area, most of my listeners are in North and South Carolina, but I've got some listeners in Virginia, too. Hey, if y'all live up here, man, the Connect 757 is on Facebook. It's on Instagram. Um, a lot of fun activities, y'all. Get involved. Um, you know, hit, hit Verlaine up if you want to do some stuff. Get yes. into it. And, and let's link. You know what I'm saying? Let's do it. You know? Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. Yes, sir. So, anyway, thank you for doing the show. This is Colorful Language. Colorful Language. Hey, everybody. If you like this episode of Colorful Language, subscribe to the channel on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also, if you want to share your thoughts on the show, contact Friday Beats at The Colorful Language on Instagram, at Color Language on Twitter, and through the Colorful Language Facebook page. Thanks for listening. Ugh. You're natural. I need to get paid. <clears throat>